Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. This week, the BBC has reported that there's been a petition launched opposing the new 20 miles an hour default speed limit in Wales, and it's had a big response, a record-breaking number of signatures, 149,000 by Tuesday morning. It comes after Wales became the first country in the UK to make the speed limit in built-up areas just 20 miles an hour. And now the Welsh Petitions Committee will have to consider it for debate as it's well over the 10,000 signature threshold. There are some politicians that have declared this change to be a war on motorists. Regardless of what we think about speed limits, all of this has made me consider my own speed, my own pace of life. Am I living life at a dash or is there a reasonable rhythm to it? How about you? We're thinking about the speed at which we carry on life. Recently, I bumped into a rattlesnake and I was nowhere near a zoo. My fanged friend showed up just 25 yards from our front door. Living here in Colorado is a wonderful privilege. The sunsets are stunning, the air is clear, but the wildlife is just that, wild. Two days before my close encounter with Hissing Sid, I discovered a tarantula, and so I'm now planning to put up a sign. Warning, snakes and large hairy spiders unwelcome here. Please go away. Yeah, that should do the trick. At first, I wasn't too perturbed when I discovered the snake as it was just a baby, about a foot long. But then two unnerving thoughts surfaced. First, where there's a baby, mama's not too far away, and she might well be a little irate if she sensed that her infant pride and joy was under any threat. And then I discovered from extensive research, 67 seconds on the internet, that the baby rattlesnake is actually more dangerous than its parents because when it bites, it has no control over the amount of venom it injects into its prey. And so the victim gets the whole dose. Junior is one dangerous little snake. And old-age pensioner rattlers don't settle into a calmer dotage either. Some rattlesnakes have been seen striking up to an hour after their death. Apparently, they just never knew when it was time to give up. If in doubt, they bite. Even when deceased, it's instinctive. The most impressive fact is this, if you're impressed by scary stuff. These snakes strike so fast the human eye can't follow them. You need special laboratory equipment, super high-speed cameras, a few dozen willing mice and a head that needs examining if you want to actually see a rattlesnake strike in process because these critters bite you first and ask questions later. Actually, they never do get around to asking questions. And that got me thinking. Sometimes I get myself into serious trouble, not so much because I'm trying to be bad, but because I'm hurtling my way through life at high speed. Life carried on at warp velocity means that everything can become somewhat blurred. And then something unexpected happens, and just like my juvenile snake pal, I react rather than respond with awful results. The curse of email is an example. 
How many of us have found ourselves bristling with mild indignation and an unwelcome verbal intruder that lands in our inbox breathlessly and thoughtlessly? We tap out an instant over-the-top response and then press a button, forgetting that tapping buttons can start wars. Send. Our missile is instantly dispatched. And then logic, common sense, and basic Christianity suddenly kicks in and we dash around screaming, smiting our breasts and hoping that some way, somehow, we can get our little electronic poison dart back. But in most cases, it's too late. It's already winging its way through the internet ether, and if the victim is online, sharp pain will soon be felt. We've reacted rather than responded. We've bitten as well as barked. And if our strike is about church stuff, then we probably huffed and puffed so vehemently that we threatened to blow the house of God down. If we just had the grace and the maturity to listen, reflect, and use a few less words, we'd probably prevent a lot of damage to ourselves as well as to others. Some bites take a long time to heal. Recently, a friend told me about a hurtful comment that had been made to him no less than three decades ago. This thoughtless, throwaway criticism was only one sentence long, and it took less than two seconds to deliver. Yet he told me that he still occasionally limps today as he remembers those destructive words, especially when he's tired or a little depressed. Sometimes the results of our fangs take a lifetime to heal. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be an antidote. The scars fade, but never completely disappear. So, with all of this talk about speed limits and slowing down, why don't we slow down, particularly when we're under pressure? Count to ten. Pray. Pray again. Sleep on it. Phone a friend. Pray yet again. And then do something you're less likely to regret. Meanwhile, back in Colorado, I tremble to report that mountain lions and a bear with two cubs have been spotted in our area, and they've been overheard saying grace. You know, it's a good idea to leave early, especially as in Wales, it's predicted to be a 20-mile-an-hour speed limit in built-up areas. I know, it all sounds very obvious, but over the years, I wish I'd left early, be it for travel, appointments, the airport, or the dentist. All right, not the dentist. But rushing is what I tend to spend my life doing. And it's mainly because of one simple debilitating habit— I like to calculate how much time it would take me to get somewhere and then leave with exactly that amount to complete the journey. This means that I am constantly clock-watching while getting to meetings at my church office 28 minutes and 30 seconds away if traffic is light and the one traffic light that I despise is kind enough to be green. This habit means that I feel frantic as I dash to the airport one hour 14 minutes if I don't go through the drive through place on the way for a coffee. I'm hoping and praying that I'll be there on time, feeling massively stressed throughout the journey and arriving somewhat emotionally fractured. Ironically, trying to achieve more, I achieve less because my head is brimming with anxiety and I waste the journey time. Instead of reflecting or planning, I'm too busy worrying that I'm just going to miss that plane. 
I've also sprinted through too many airports to get to departure gates. And on one occasion, many years ago, our plane had actually pulled away onto the runway, but my last-minute antics had caused two families to be late. That's a lot of empty seats. And so they actually pulled the airplane back to the gate and allowed us on, something that would never happen these days. But the sound of tut-tutting from the other passengers as our breathless, sweaty little group boarded the then-delayed plane was understandably deafening. Ironically, I am a very punctual person, and I believe that being late is insulting because a delay costs other people time. When I'm late, not only am I delayed, but I send a message to those that I am meeting that I do not consider their time to be important. It becomes a habit. I know people who were probably late being born and have been consistently late ever since. If they arrive punctually, then it's actually a surprise because now they have a reputation and one for not keeping their word. In a way, being late is theft. Horace Mann put it rather bluntly, Unfaithfulness in the keeping of an appointment is an act of clear dishonesty. You may as well borrow a person's money as their time. Sometimes being late brings total disaster. Remember Thomas, the doubting chap in the Bible? He missed that epic meeting with Jesus, which created a week of shadows for him. Nobody knows what he was doing and why he wasn't there. Perhaps he knew he'd be late for the gathering because of poor planning, so he didn't bother. But then there's another episode in the Bible where we can be certain that a delayed arrival created all kinds of problems. Samuel had agreed to meet nervous King Saul, and he was just a little late. I'm not talking 20 minutes or even an hour. Saul had been told to wait a week for Samuel to arrive, but even then Samuel missed the deadline and Saul's demoralized troops began to scatter. Saul panicked and offered sacrifices, a job reserved exclusively for the priesthood. We're not told why Samuel was delayed, but his lateness certainly had dire consequences. So let's keep our word. Let's not say that the check is in the post if it isn't. Let's not dash around Perhaps let's leave early and be on time. We're talking about the speed at which we live, and I need to conclude tonight's show by making a confession. I do tend to live my life at speed. I eat quickly, and I can't think why. Savouring the flavours of food has never been my style, and I wish that I could excuse myself by saying that I was raised in a large, hungry family where if you didn't eat your chicken quickly, it would be snatched off the plate. But that's not true. I just race through my food because I've got a tendency to race through everything. I speed read, preferring to skim over sentences rather than fully digest the words. I multitask, steam through to-do lists, and fume in rush hour traffic jams, where congestion means that the one thing you can't do is rush. I like to get things done so that I can get on to the next thing. But there's always something else to do, somewhere else to go, some other experience that demands that whatever I'm doing, it won't be for long. So lately, I've been asking myself, why the haste? 
You see, rushing is surely an unconscious habit and one that's hard to break. I dash around without thinking. I don't have to be late under pressure or behind schedule in order to be in a hurry. Slowing down for me takes conscious effort. In a world of fast food and high-speed Wi-Fi, it's easy to just go with the flow, even if the flow is a torrent rather than a trickle. And then I think I rush simply because I always have. It's my default setting. I've got no idea how long my mother was in labor when I came into the world, but I do know that I arrived early, very prematurely. Perhaps I took minutes rather than hours to make my appearance, and having received the slap from the midwife, I proceeded to ask when school would be starting. And then there's the subtle pressure to be busy because haste offers proof that we are in demand, that those who need us must get in line or take a number. If you and I want to become more like Jesus, then a better rhythm won't be a luxury, but a necessity. He knew how to say no. At times, he evaded the madding crowds and commanded his friends to come apart for a while, presumably so that they wouldn't fall apart. Let's take time to take time. See you next week. Lucas on life.